for a number of years as you know was a church planter in Fort Myers Florida and now is evangelizing we love deeply here at No Limits we love Nathaniel and Jackie Urshan He's a lover of people, he's a lover of truth, and he loves to preach, and we love to hear him preach. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord and respond? Brother Urshan, come preach to us. I love you too, man. Let's continue to give that praise unto the Lord tonight, shall we? Somebody lift up your hands, somebody. Somebody give God praise tonight. Oh, come on, give him a Friday night, no limits praise. Give him an apostolic praise. Give him a Jesus name praise. Yes! Yes! Ghost tonight. I need somebody to shake off your fear tonight. Shake the world off of you. Shake the devil off of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's worthy tonight. He's worthy of praise. Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, glory to God, glory to God. My, 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 my. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. How many feel the Holy Ghost in this place? How many are going home different than what you came? How many are going home with fire in your eyes and the love of God in your heart? Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen. You can return to your seats. Praise the Lord. I feel such an unction in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And it is our privilege to be with you here at No Limits 2014. And um, God has been so good to us. He has blessed us this week. He has empowered us. He has charged us. Amen. He has anointed us. And I still think God has a few things up his sleeve tonight. Amen. It is so good to be here and to join in with you. And uh, I give honor to... Uh, Pastor Miles Young and Bishop Wilson and their wonderful family uh, and the ministry here at the Rock Church and all the sponsors. Hasn't No Limits been wonderful? Amen. Amen. Um, so, such preaching, such anointed teaching I've enjoyed, Brother Blash and Brother Parker and... Um, Brother Golden and 
almost brother Williams and I think God is putting people together in this last day that are looking at the devil and saying we're not going anywhere this thing's not over it's just getting started I hope you pack a lunch and bring an army because we came to fight. You're not getting my church. You're not getting my children. You're not getting my youth group. You're not getting my marriage. You're not getting my teenager. Praise God, praise God. Amen. Brother Williams, I'm glad you and your precious wife are here. Amen. A special place in our heart. He took over our church in Fort Myers, Florida, and he is doing a dynamic job. Thank God for the Williams family. Amen. Amen. And so many things I could say. I know I'll probably leave somebody out, so I don't want to. I'm glad my dad, Nathaniel Paul Urshan, is here uh, with us this week. And uh, amen. And so many good friends and family that are here. We love all of you. And I'm just excited about what God's doing. Praise God. Why don't you stand with me as we open up the Word of God? <laughs> I'm reading tonight from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 13. 1 Samuel chapter 13, and I am going to begin reading at verse 19. And the context here is Israel has been subjugated and enslaved and beat down, and the enemies are encroaching on every side, and the people aren't just defeated. Um, outwardly but they are defeated inwardly and they don't even know who they are anymore uh, instead of being Abraham's descendants who conquered and who uh, inhabited and who settled they are cowering before the Philistines and they are in a serve God backslide serve God backslide type of a cycle and it is here where Jonathan gets his revelation that there's no restraint to God to save by many or by few. And with two guys, he whipped an entire Philistine garrison. So this is the context that we are reading into tonight. And I want to look at 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 19. The Bible says, now there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock. Yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the cultures and for the forks, for the axes and to sharpen the goads. So it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand 
of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but with Saul and Jonathan, his son, was there found. A condition in Israel where an unequipped people stood powerless before the onslaught of the enemy. I believe God wants his people empowered. I don't believe that we need to take a backseat to anybody as apostolics. We can be equipped, we can be empowered, we can take dominion in our churches, in our families, in our homes. We're Abraham's kids. We're the Jesus name people. And tonight I want to preach a message that I have entitled, No Smith in Israel. No Smith in Israel. Look at the person next to you and tell them, get ready, God is going to empower you. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I love the word of God tonight. I believe in the word of God. And I believe in the preaching of the word of God. I think if there is going to be a church that is successful, in this day, fighting 2014 devils, then I think that we do not need a surface experience church. We do not need fellowship-based church. We don't need social networking church. We don't need cool church. We need word churches. We need churches that know what they believe. We need churches that stand on the word of God. We need churches that have a handle on the things of God. If the word of God is the most sure foundation, the Bible says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away, then it makes sense to be a word-based church. Amen. I hope you came to shout tonight, but we don't need to be an emotion-based church. Emotion comes with it, but if you're going to shout, it's a good idea to know what you're shouting about. 
it's a good idea to have a handle on what you're shouting about. Don't just shout to shout. Shout because Jesus is God. Shout because his blood washes you. Shout because his name is the only name that can save a man. Shout because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're going to shout, shout about that. Shout because you're baptized in Jesus' name. Shout because you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Shout because you have dominion over hell. You need to know what you're shouting about. And you can't know what you're shouting about unless you are a word-based people. Amen. Word preaching runs the devil out. A young man came to me and said, I'm an evangelist, Brother Urshan. If you had one thing to tell an evangelist, what would you tell him? And I said, immerse yourself in the word. He shook my hand and said, thank you. Goodbye. I, I, I'm not coming to bring you hype because hype doesn't stand in today's secular society. <laughs> hype won't get you past temptation. Hype won't overcome Hollywood. Hype doesn't last into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I came to bring you the anointed word of God. I came to bring you the hammer that breaks in pieces. I came to bring you the sword of the spirit. I came to bring you the sincere milk of the word. It's quick and it's sharp and it's more powerful than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I'm talking about the word of God. Let it be at your foundation. Build your marriage on it. Build your relationship on it. Build your children on it. Build your church on, upon this rock. Not just any rock, but upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not, shall not, shall not prevail against it. You got to know what you're shouting about, brother. You got to know what you're dancing about, sister. Amen. This world needs a genuine church. They don't need denomination. They're sick of denomination. As a matter of fact, most people, when they say they don't believe in God, they don't really mean it. They're not rebelling against God. They're rebelling against the caricature of God that religion has painted. They don't believe in a guy on a throne in a cloud. They don't believe in angels flitting around in the clouds dodging airplanes. They are sick of stained glass windows. They are sick 
of televangelist hypocrisy. They are sick of the fake and phony that has been shoved down their throat. They're not rebelling against God. They're rebelling against the joke of modern secular Christianity. Our world needs to know there is a church and it is on fire and it is able and it is powerful and it breaks the chains and it sets the captive free and it kicks open hell's gates and it it can pull you out of the miry clay there is a genuine church and it's here and it has to be authentic and genuine and true Amen. And living in this world, the apostolic dynamic is influenced by it. We see Israel living beneath their potential, living an inferior life, not walking in the fullness of divine purpose that they were supposed to. I don't blame the people because the people are going to follow the leaders. The problem wasn't that people didn't know how to fight. It was that people weren't equipped. I don't blame the people. I blame the Smith. You have got to have men that know how to handle the Word of God. You have to have leadership that knows how to hammer out the doctrine and to define apostolic distinctives. We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart. We have apostolic doctrine. The writer said, we have not followed cunningly devised fables, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But Paul is a wise master builder, and he's building up a holy habitation unto the Lord. Hallelujah. We have a doctrine that is able to push back the darkness, that is able to stomp out hypocrisy. I don't need a light show, I need the doctrine. The Word of God has enough anointing locked up inside of it to resurrect your carnal young people. It has enough anointing to resurrect that backslidden person on the back row. It has enough anointing to pull you out of your complacency, to energize you, to baptize you with fire. To My God, somebody... 
I'm talking about the word of God. Hallelujah. The Smith handles the word of God. If you start reading that book, you will revive. Revival isn't a man coming in and hyping everybody up. Revival is life being kindled on the inside. When you start reading that book, you'll read yourself into outreach. You'll read yourself into witnessing. You'll read yourself into laying hands on the sick and they recover. You'll read yourself into the oneness of God. You'll read yourself into the mighty God in Christ. You'll read yourself into the power of the name of Jesus. When you get done reading that book, you're going to come out speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. <laughs> Hallelujah. Apostolics misquote it. They say that the Holy Ghost is like a fire shut up in their bones. The Bible doesn't say that the Holy Ghost was a fire shut up in your bones. It says his word was in my heart like a fire shut up in my bones. If you get it on the inside, it'll come out. You can't shut them up. You can't lock them up. They're going to spill out. They're going to run out the doors. They're going to beat down hell's gates. They're going to go through the neighborhoods, into the highways, into the byways, into the hedges. And the, my God, somebody needs to listen to me. I'm talking about the Word of God. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. Because the devil loves an unequipped people. I want to talk about the dynamics and the penalties of being unequipped. People who don't know how to handle the sword. This word was meant to be handled with dexterity. It was meant to be handled with skill. It was meant to look into the darkness and say, you're not coming in here. But there are people in here that know the word of God. We're not going to allow temptation in our doors. We're going to create a safe haven for our young people. We're going to keep sin at bay. The snarling, snapping teeth of the predator cannot come into a people that know how to handle the sword. But men of God and women of God, grim-faced and determined, look outside and say, you are not coming into this church, into this family, into this sanctuary. We know the devil. We are not ignorant of his devices. 
we are equipped and empowered and we know what thus saith the word of the Lord <laughs> the kinds of things that Israel had to endure the Bible talks about Nahash the Ammonite where he came to an unequipped people and he said I'll make a deal with you you let us have dominion and we won't kill you we'll just thrust your right eye out the devil will get it to where you begin to compromise with the enemy they were faced with circumstances to where partial blindness was offered to them a they, they, they were they were offered a limited vision the deal is I'm not gonna give the Philistines anything I think sometimes as apostolics we make a mistake and one of the state mistakes we make is we give uh, denomination and we give false doctrine and we give uh, other groups too much credit we 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 give them ground that doesn't belong to them we allow them to get too close to us and we 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 give ground listen our forefathers bled for this doctrine they pushed back the enemy they forged what they believed they gained spiritual territory and they preached the word of god they preached holiness and separation from the world they preached the mighty god in christ they preached the new birth message and they drove out false doctrine and they drove out competing ideologies and they drove out things that would threaten the purity of the gospel of jesus christ and i have no intention of making a deal with the devil and giving him access to the precious liberty that I have this is not a false doctrine book this is an apostolic book this is my land this is my ground this is my territory this is my house and you can't have it I'm not letting you in I'm not letting you close I'm not making a deal I'm not letting you take one thing I want to, you can be seated. I want to talk to you about the anatomy of understanding. There's an anatomy to it. And the devil would like to mutilate the body of Christ. <laughs> He'd like to take stuff that belongs to us. They came up and they said, we'll take one of your eyes. But you can keep the other one. Thanks. What a deal. I'm not going to allow this world to define how I see. 
eyes, eyes are a big deal. God didn't give me one eye. God gave me two eyes. That's deep stuff. But if I have one eye, I can only see from one perspective. God loved me enough to put them just wide enough to where I can see depth. To where I can gain extra perspective. To where I can get a sense of reality that I wouldn't have otherwise. There are some people that allow this world to define how they view the word of God. And they tell you that you have to believe certain scriptures because that's the way it is. That's not the way it is. There aren't, there aren't Trinitarian verses in the Bible. And I refuse to look at them as Trinitarian verses. See, I see it two ways. Matthew 28, 19 doesn't belong to them. That belongs to me. That's my verse. When it says to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, I'm not just looking at it with one eye. While I have one eye on Matthew 28, 19, I've got another eye on Acts 2, 38 that says that I'm to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm able to see this thing with 20-20 vision. another eye on Acts 4.12 that there's none of the name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You're not taking my sight. You're not taking my vision. This is my ground. This is my territory. This is my... Hallelujah. And you've got to have a smith in Israel that knows how to hammer out those precepts. That knows how to pound out those doctrines and give them to young men and give them to young women and say, here is the way of the Lord. Walk ye in it. Praise God. There's been a lot of preaching about David and Goliath this week. David walked up to Goliath and he said, that's not your sword, that's my sword. And I'm going to take your sword from you and I'm going to use it on you. This is not their Bible. This is our Bible. And I'm going to take their Bible and I'm going to use it against them. And I... Brother Wilmoth, I'm going to chop down eternal security. I'm going to chop down easy believism. I'm going to chop down sloppy agape. I'm going to chop down greasy grace. I'm going to chop down... Yeah. 
going to cast down every imagination and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God. There's got to be a smith in Israel. Amen. Praise God. Y'all can be seated. Romans 10 doesn't belong to them. It belongs to us. If you want to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and if you do it, thou shalt be saved. And apostolics shake. Oh man, why'd they put that in there? Why'd Paul have to say it like that? I'll tell you what, if you keep allowing your young men to go, the Phil- to, go to the Philistines to get their axe sharpened, They're going to come back with doctrines that have nothing to do with the Word of God. If you allow your young ladies and young men to go to the Philistines to get their axes and their pitchforks sharpened, I'm not here to let false doctrine tell me what this is. I'm here to go to Peter and James and John, and I'm here to go to the forefathers, and I'm here to sharpen this thing the way it's supposed to be sharpened. I'm here to get the doctrine... I'm here to earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. It's not a Philistine book. It's a Hebrew book. If you let the Philistines sharpen your sword, they'll have you confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart I confess you Lord come into my heart today I accept thee thank thee for thy bountiful blessings that's it I just got saved let's go get a burger The only problem with that is that's not the way the sword is sharpened. That's not the way the smith in Israel pounds it out. You won't find one example of that in the Bible. Nobody accepted Christ as their personal Savior. Nobody accepted the Lord into their heart. But I tell you what you will find. You'll find the day of Pentecost. Where cloven tongues like as a fire sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues. They confessed with their mouth. They confessed with their mouth. You got to 
look at this from the book of Acts. You got to look at this from the apostles' perspective. They never accepted Christ, but they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That doesn't mean accept Christ. It means you're going to get the Holy Ghost and you're going to talk in tongues. With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest. Wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. But there's got to be a smith in Israel to hammer that into the heart of a young man. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, I need somebody to start sharpening your sword. I need somebody to start looking at Goliath and saying, you've been in charge long enough. You've had the sword long enough. You've had dominion long enough. I'm getting you out of my house. I'm getting you out. You're not going to dictate to me. Hallelujah. <clears throat> We're not supposed to sit in the corner and allow other people to define the word of God to us. I am not going to explain why I speak with other tongues. I speak with other tongues because Peter spoke with other tongues and James and John and Bartholomew and Thaddeus and Mary the mother of Jesus and I'm not going to explain why I speak in tongues. They have to explain why they don't speak with other tongues. This is my book. This is my experience. I'm going back to the Word of God. This is my territory. Come on, Jonathan. Come on, armor bearer. This is our kingdom. This is our hour. This is our victory. Amen. You can be seated. Weird stuff happens when there's no smith in Israel. There's an enslavement. There's a submission. The Bible describes... It describes the mutilation that ancient kings would purposely inflict. The Bible says that Adonabizek, he, he would capture his enemies and in capturing them, he would cut off their thumbs and he would cut off their big toes. A crippled church is an ineffective church. He would, 
He would cut off their big toes. And finally, they caught him and they did it to him. But the devil would like nothing more than for the body of Christ to be unable to pick up a sword. To get a grip on the principles of God. They would cut off the big toe so that the enemy could never flee and they could never pursue. Rendered ineffective, rendered obsolete, rendered helpless, they were no longer a threat. Religion sits without thumbs and without toes as the devil rips through the landscape of America. I'm talking about the anatomy of understanding. The devil will take your eyes, he'll take your thumb. It, 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 I read that and I thought, man, that's weird. I never heard anybody preach on the thumbs. I'm going to preach on thumbs tonight. God's church needs thumbs. Now, before you laugh too hard, thumbs are a big deal. You know what they call them? They call them opposable digits. Now, that doesn't sound like a big deal to some people, but try tying your tie with no thumbs. Try to zip up your trousers. Try to hold a fork. Thumbs are a big deal. The animal kingdom, by and large, doesn't have thumbs. Fancy word is opposable dactylic appendages. That's a fancy word for thumbs. But without thumbs, you can't grip. You can't seize upon. You can't grasp. I believe that grasping and getting and handling has to do with understanding. I think we need to get a grip on the Word of God. <clears throat> if you just look at your hand for a second, it's five fingers. The majority of them aren't thumbs. It's called directional force. And four fingers go one direction. The majority goes one direction. God's people have never been part of the majority. 
If you follow the majority, you'll wind up making a golden calf with Aaron. If you follow the majority, you'll never build an ark. If you follow the majority, you'll never come out of Ur. If you follow the majority, you'll never leave Sodom. If you follow the majority, you'll never listen to Jesus. If you follow the majority, you will go to hell. But to get a grip on a thing is to have bi-directional force. Forces that work opposite to each other. And there will be a thumb working in opposition to the majority that allows you to grasp. That allows you to handle. That allows you to get a grip on a thing that's a big deal Nineveh found themselves fumbling with the door of God's purpose because they had no opposing force to tell them different unable to open up the door of God's purpose Nineveh was going to be destroyed the majority was going one way if you follow the majority it is a one-way ticket to condemnation if you are here tonight and you do things because everybody else does things that's not a good idea that's not when you should feel comfortable that's when you should stop and say wait a minute maybe the crowd isn't the right way to go maybe following the flow isn't the right way maybe some that's not when i feel better that's when i start looking around me for the mistake god sent an opposing singular voice an opposing prophetic influence that came in and said repent and he preached that message of repentance and God's design worked perfectly as a heathen city got a grasp on the mercies of an eternal God Nineveh grabbed a hold of God's mercies and opened the door and God forgave them of their wickedness and their unrighteousness because of the opposing force that did what God designed that it do. There always has to be room for the opposing voice. If you eliminate the voice, you will make a cosmic mistake. You will lose your ability to get a grip on the eternal promises of God. The majority said that Gentiles can't come into the kingdom of God. Jewish elitism and racial prejudice 
was comfortable in its one directional thinking it felt right it seemed right there was a lot of Old Testament scripture that talked about the Gentiles in a negative way but the problem with that kind of groupthink and wrong-headed unity is that it has a way of explaining away the other verses that let them in but caught up in the time and caught up in the era the church was about to about to make a mistake of cataclysmic proportions James was going the wrong direction Peter was carried away with their dissimulation the majority said we're going this way but an apostle named Paul came walking in and provided the pincher movement of the hand of the body of Christ and said wait a minute I'm gonna be the voice that withstands you to the face I'm gonna be the closing grip in the body of Christ those Gentiles are gonna get the Holy Ghost if you are a Jew and you can't follow the law why are you going to lay a burden on them that they can't carry? And Paul withstood them to the face and the door to the Gentiles was opened and Cornelius was baptized with the Holy Ghost and now today you're here and you're here and you're here and you're here because somebody got a grip on the promises of God. Somebody handled the Word of God properly. Somebody got a handhold. Hey, if you're here today and you don't understand racial dynamics, you need to get a New Testament Pauline relationship with God. <laughs> I don't want one color in my church. Bring those pasta-eating, stromboli-eating, Chinese, Korean, South American, purple, green. Hey, if you don't like it down here, you're going to hate it up there. Because he saw a multitude out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And they all sang one song. Worthy is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This all right. Amen. Sunday morning is the most racist hour. As religion fumbles at the door of eternal purpose. Thumbless. They sit under Adonabizek's table and they can't wield the sword. And locked up in churches where white people go here and yellow people go here and green people go here and purple people go here and black people go here and brown people go there. And it's the most racist hour. 
but the apostolic church has opposing voices that say we're not going to bow to that spirit hallelujah in the early 1900s, an Iranian immigrant named A.D. Urshan and a black man named G.T. Haywood turned the apostolic world on their ear as they came out preaching the oneness of God and baptism in Jesus' name and the necessity of the Holy Ghost. Honey, apostolics were multicultural before anybody was multicultural. We were civil rights before anybody was civil rights. We got a grip on the promises of God. We got a grip on New Testament revelation. We got a grip on revival. And we're not going backwards. We're going forwards in the name of my God. The apostolic church with opposing forces gets its hand around the doorknob of New Testament revival and starts yanking on the door and says, we're going to have every color in our church. We're going to have every language in our church. Racism tries to hold it shut. Prejudice tries to hold it shut. But I got a grip on the doorknob. I got a grip. My... Racial prejudice is a curse from Babel where God separated it. And in lunchrooms at public schools around the country, people are still segregated and separate. In prison systems, they're segregated and separate. In neighborhoods, they're segregated and separate. And you can't legislate unity. You stick different colors together and they're going to fight and cuss and hate and, and, and complain and war because you can't legislate righteousness. But you let somebody get baptized with the Holy Ghost and God changes them on the inside. God will write his law on your inward parts and he'll... Ch You gotta get a revelation. You gotta get an understanding. You gotta get, you gotta kick open the door and let God. You want revival in your city? You want revival in your youth group? You want revival? You can't let the devil take away the opposing voice. I'm not done yet. When there's no Smith in Israel, he'll take your thumbs. He'll take the opposing. The devil will take away your ability to grasp, to grip, to seize upon. Hypocrisy will take away your ability. 
One of the greatest gifts ever given to me. My father's here tonight. One of the greatest gifts he ever gave me was saying no. That opposition in my life wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. But it wasn't just what he said. It's how he lived. And we are living in a world where parents have to live it in front of their kids. Because if you say one thing and live another way, later on, you're not going to be able to get a grip on those kids. Pawing at the door. They're going to look at you and say, that's not how you acted at home. That's not how we dressed on vacation. That's not what we watched at the house. You're not obeying the word of God. If you lose the opposing power, listen, you got to get a hold of the word of God. And you can't lose your testimony. You have to be who you are. You have to act like you really are. You have to serve God all the way through. Because if you are a hypocrite, you will lose your ability. You will lose your effectiveness. You will lose your ability to lead and guide and stop and oppose any longer. The religious world tries to stand against the onslaught of the day. People are losing their minds over same-sex marriage. But they sit thumbless at Adonabizek's table. They try to quote scriptures, but the scriptures don't work because hypocrisy can't quote scripture. They eliminated the opposing voice a long time ago. Their thumbs were cut off a long time ago. The religious world can't talk about that issue when for years they've winked at adultery. They've winked at fornication. They've winked at immodesty. They've said it doesn't matter. They said it's all a matter of interpretation. How's it feel now? The word of God is the word of God. And it is true. And it has always been true. And now an ineffective world sits helplessly by, unable to handle the sword because they sold out a long time ago. They cut off the voice of the preacher. They cut off the voice of the man of God. They cut off the voice of opposition that said, it's not of God. You have to stop it now. Saul cut off his thumbs when he stopped listening to Samuel. When the opposing voice came to him and said, it's wrong. It's sin. Saul poo-pooed it, pushed it to the side, and he lost the voice of opposition that would have saved him. I don't need smooth preaching. I don't need my ears tickled. I don't need to be placated. 
I don't need to play patty cake with Jesus. I need a preacher. I need a Samuel. I need a David. I need a Nathan the prophet to walk up into my house and say, thus saith the word of the Lord. I'm going to need it. I've got to have it. If you're going to be effective, you have to have the voice of opposition in your life. You need a preacher that's not afraid of you. You need a preacher that doesn't love money. You need a preacher that's not afraid to lose people. Hallelujah. He's not just going to render you ineffective. He wants to cripple you. He'll make it to where you can't flee and you can't pursue. He cut off their big toes. The devil likes a crippled church. We have to get to the point to where we keep our ability to fight against the forces of this world. And if we have a church, I'm just going to say this. You can tell, I can tell when I get into a pulpit and a church is full of Hollywood. You know, the Bible says that when, when Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel, that he looked at them and he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? That word halt doesn't mean pause. It literally means how long will you be crippled by? The Bible says that when, when, when the angel touched Jacob's thigh, that he halted from that day forward. I don't want my worship crippled. I don't want to be so loaded down with sensuality and violence. Come on, young man. You can't do the work of God if you're loaded down with pornography and loaded. You can't pursue the things of God. You can't somebody has to still flee from fornication because this is the will of God and if Adonabizek has cut off your ability to run away from this world something's wrong with you I don't want to be so desensitized that preaching doesn't move me I don't want to I don't want to have a 30 second attention span. Psychologists have charted the rise of ADD and they've linked it to television because commercials are 30 seconds and 30 seconds and 30 seconds and television's a minute and 30 seconds and then the next scene and the next scene and 
and somebody murders somebody and then they switch scenes and they now somebody's stealing something and then they switch scenes and somebody's sleeping with somebody and then they switch scenes back to who killed who and then the evil twin brother shows up and they're hopping around so that they're their, 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 their attention span is hardwired from a young age. I don't want to get to where I can't sit and listen to preaching and to where I can't. I don't want to be crippled in my understanding. I don't want to be crippled in my worship. I don't want to be crippled in my morality. I, I don't want to limp through my broken marriage, but I want to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want to keep my integrity. I want to keep my innocence. I want my mind to be clean. I want my conscience to be right. I want to... I want to look forward to the house of God. I want to love preaching. I want to love the worship. I want to love the things of God. I want to be able to sit still and read. People can't read the Bible because they are so desensitized. This is what happens when there is no Smith in Israel. Hallelujah. There has to be a voice. That, did you know that the word Smith comes from an old word that means to smite? To smite. To hammer out what you believe. Preachers that preach the word of God. I enjoyed what you preached, Brother Parker. He went before the board and they asked him questions. And, 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 and as he answered them, he thought they were going to ask him questions about what he believed. And, 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 and they, he said, aren't you going to ask me questions about the oneness of God? And Brother David Gray laughed and said, no, I'm not going to ask you any one God questions because you're from I.H. Terry's church. And the last guy from I.H. Terry's church that we ask one God questions to, he quoted scriptures too long. We're not worried about you and the oneness of God. You know why? Because there is a smith in Israel hammering out what men believe hammering out the apostolic message hammering out hey I'm kicking the Philistines out of my family get out of my house get out of my church get out of my mind get out of my youth group this is not your church this is our church this is our land I'm kicking out false doctrine. I'm kicking out wrong ideology. I'm kicking out. I need some young men to make a line. Make a line. Make a line right here. Hallelujah. There has to be a smith. There has to be a word-based dynamic. People have to get the word of God down on the inside of them. We've got to preach. The, hey, I don't want fog machines for preaching. I don't want to wow people. I don't want sensationalism. Hey, if you want fog machines on youth night, praise God, that's great. I'm not preaching against fog machines. But sensationalism will never take the place of the word of God. 
There is no light show that can compete with the anointed word of God. Entertainment does not destroy the yoke. His anointing destroys the yoke. There has to be a smith that hammers out. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Here you go. Now run with it. And the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. Go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Go. There has to be a smith in Israel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Go. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. There has to be a smith. There has to be a smith. There has to be a smith. There has to be the word. Somebody lift your hands. musicians we're closing out Friday night in Jesus name I need some I need a Jonathan to come on down hallelujah I'm not going to the Philistines to figure out how to worship I don't want the Philistines telling me how to worship Philistines will tell me I gotta fold my arms. The Philistines will tell me I have to be seeker sensitive. The Philistines will tell me I have to be quiet. The Philistines will have me meditating when I should be shouting. This is an apostolic book. I'm gonna go to the book of Acts to see the worship. I'm gonna go to the psalmist David to see worship. Hallelujah. I need some apostolics to praise him the way apostolics praise him. This is the way we praise him. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto, did he say shout? He said shout unto God. Shout unto God. Shout unto God.
was shaken. How many came to shake the house tonight? They're going to sing it again. But this time, you're going to praise him like the book of Acts. You're going to praise him like the New Testament church. You're going to praise him like this is your last day alive. Are you ready? No, that's not good enough. Are you ready? Yeah. 